Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective. This is part one. This is the part one series. Uh, this is lesson number four of part one. There will be other parts to go, as well as there are other lessons in part one. Uh, in this lesson, uh, we want to talk about Paul and his attitude toward the results and the accomplishments of his ministry. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, is a very interesting place to start. It is not, this is again 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. It is not profitable at all for me to glory. There's no profit in me boasting, Paul said. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And notice how he approached this. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, parentheses, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, in the parentheses, such as one caught up in, up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, parentheses, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, in the parentheses, how that he was caught up unto, in, into paradise and heard unspeakable things which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So it is generally accepted that Paul is actually talking about himself or an experience he personally had. But he is so careful, he is so careful about not touching God's glory. He is so careful about not boasting in God and appropriating any of God's glory to himself. He couldn't even talk about this without doing it in the third person. And I I don't know uh, if there's any place where he actually ever says it's me. Okay, this I'm talking about me. Uh, so he says... In, uh, uh, I'm reading again with verse uh, uh, 5. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my troubles. That sounds strange to us, doesn't it? For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. He said, Boasting or brag about or, 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 or appropriating any of God's glory is foolishness. Okay. Now, one of the reasons for that could possibly be the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So when I'm acting like a fool, I'm appropriating things that belong only to God to myself. He said, Verse 6, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now, that's pretty strong statements. I don't want your opinion of me to be affected. So I'm talking about what God did. But I'm talking about the person involved, the third person, because 
I don't want you to think that I'm taking God's credit. When I touch the glory of God or appropriate the glory of God, I'm taking the credit. Whoever gets the glory gets the credit. Boy, I sung good tonight. I sang good tonight. I just took his credit. Boy, I preached good tonight. I just get the credit. I prayed through three people tonight by myself. I just took the credit. I prayed for so-and-so and God healed him. I took the credit. I took the credit. So, he goes from, I'm going to read again. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 again to read verse 7. Of such a one I will not glory, yet of myself, uh, such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Now, next verse. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above net measure. Can I put it this way? God gave a thorn in his flesh to keep the puff out. And what is the puff? Puff is no more than taking the credit. I'm taking the credit. Hey, look at me. I, look what I did. Uh, look at me. I don't do that. Ooh, I don't do that. No, no, look at me. I don't do that. I took the credit. I took the credit. Touching the glory of God is taking the credit. So, look at this carefully, please. And I, I'm going to go into this in another lesson, so I don't want to go too deeply here, but I, I do want to at least bring the make the point. He said, there was given to me, the word give there is to give as a gift. It's the same word used as given a gift. It's give. It's something you do because you love somebody. You want to make them happy. You want to help them. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, he defined that. The messenger of Satan. The word messenger there is almost always translated angel or spirit. It can be a demon. It can be a, a, an angel of God. Uh, but and, and there are several times it's translated messengers talking about humans. But in this case, it's a spirit. Where did that spirit come from? Satan. God didn't, God, God didn't, uh, do it. He permitted it. Well, of course the devil would want to attack Paul. Of course the devil would. Cause, Paul's, cause all this havoc in his kingdom. All God had to do was give him the amount of opening that was all God wanted him to have. And that messenger of Satan was given to him to buffet him. The word buffet means to beat with the fists. So God allowed Satan to beat Paul with the fists, figuratively speaking, to buffet him. Because of the abundance of revelation he had, he didn't want to get puffed up. And God didn't want him puffed up. 
lest I should be exalted above measure. God loved Paul enough that he knew the things he was doing through, through Paul and saying to Paul, the revelations given to Paul. I mean, look at, he wrote over half the New Testament. Wow. Wow. God loved him so much that he opened a door to allow Satan a limited access to do things to Paul to keep the puff out, to keep Paul's motives right so that God could continue to use Paul. Now, before Paul really understood this, he says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. You don't need this taken away. My grace is enough to help you with this, help you through this. I let this come, and I'm going to give you the grace to survive this, but I need to let this come because it's going to keep the puff out of your flesh. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Paul says, most gladly, now he's got the revelation, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I want to be saved. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be used. It's a completely different thing, my friend, to be both used and saved. Some people focus on being saved. Some people focus on being used. But let me tell you something. It's tough to be saved after being used. You need the adversary to be allowed to keep the puff out. We need that. We got to have that. We got to have that. So Paul said, and he said unto me, my my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is enough. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Greek word there translated rest upon, this is the only time it's found in the Greek New Testament. It means to literally tent or tabernacle upon. In other words, Paul is saying, because of these infirmities, and because of the revelation of the weakness of my flesh to me, from I see how weak I am so that I know it's not me doing these things. It's God doing them through me. I'm just a conduit. I'm just an earthen vessel that the treasure uses. Because of that, I'm hidden in God. His power tabernacles, tents upon me, hides me. That is the motive right there. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So that whatever's done, people can hear God's voice, see God's face, but not hear my voice, see my face. Now I'm videoing this because it's part of the modern means of communication. But every one of these videos, we extract the audio from them and make them into podcasts. And that's what I really prefer because not only can people listen to them at times that they don't have access and have the time to sit down and just watch a video, but it gets my face out of it. That's, that's the goal. That's the purpose. That's, that's what I want right there. If possible, is get my face out of this. I want to get my face out of this. I want, I want the face of Jesus Christ, what people are seeing. 
If our gospel be hid, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it is hid in them and lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of, uh, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. And verse 6 says that we, we have the knowledge of God, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want his face to be what's seen. I want to be hidden with Christ and God. That's the desire. That's, that's my prayer as I'm sitting here talking to you. I, I, want you. I want your mind to go to another place where you're not really focused on me and you're hearing his voice and you're listening, you're listening to him. I, I describe it like when you're standing uh, like on a, 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 an overlook at a on a highway and you're looking out over this area and the next thing you know you're not really seeing that because your mind went someplace else uh i like to live there as much as possible and it's my hope that that's what happens when you're listening to this but let me tell you something right now the beauty to me is i'm sitting here looking at the business end of a camera I'm not looking at anybody's faces. And while you may be looking at my face, I can't see your face. So I can't see your reaction. I don't know whether you're cussing me out or thinking I'm the greatest things ever, ever happened. And I really don't care. <laughs> I don't care what your reaction is because my only goal is to sit here and please God and to be a conduit so he can speak. But I love this. I love this. I love the fact that I can speak to you without me seeing you. And then whatever your reaction is between you and God, I don't have to deal with it. Because I got flesh. I don't, I got flesh. In here, I want to please God. I don't care what anybody thinks. But this, yeah, sometimes it matters. Sometimes it matters. I have to die out to it all over again. So Paul says this. Again, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, in, in infirmities, reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. My friend, let me, t- let me say this to you. <laughs> uh, you want to be strong in God? You want to be a great, powerful child of God, a great, powerful man of God, minister of God. You, you want to be great and powerful? Then you got to be weak. And you can't make yourself weak. And he's going to do it. He's going to work on it. But you have to understand the purpose and the reason, and you have to embrace it. Paul embraced the purpose. He embraced the motive of God for the stuff that happened to him. He said, therefore, I take pleasure. And if you look at the Greek word for take pleasure there, it means I have a choice and I choose to approve of. Infirmities. Reproaches. Necessities, persecutions, distresses, 
for Christ's sake. There's where the value comes from. There's where the, the, the purpose comes from. There's where the motive comes from. All this stuff that's happened to me and will happen to me and is happening to me is for Christ's sake. And my attitude either allows God to be glorified because I'm benefited in his kingdom because I become weak so he can become strong or I resent it and I resist it and I resent him. After all I've done for you, you're letting this happen to me? Yeah, after all you've done for me, I love you enough I'm letting this happen to you so you can be saved. After all I've done for you. I didn't know the man of God, the prophet verbal being. I have listened to many of his audio cassettes. What a man of God he was. What a man of God he was. How powerful, how great was he in God as far as the things God did through him. What sense did it make from a natural perspective? At at the prime of his life, I think he was in his late 40s, early 50s at the latest, I believe, if I remember correctly. He was killed in a head-on collision. My my mind says, how could you let this happen? All the stuff he could have done. He ran his race. He finished his course. (coughs) God let him. God allowed him to be killed in in a car wreck. Why? I don't know the man's heart. I don't know God's concerns about if he continued to live and continue to be more greatly used of God, whether or not he could have started. I don't, I'm not saying he would have or wouldn't have. I don't know. But God had a purpose. I know one thing. I have charged God, not foolishly, but wisely. Do whatever you've got to do to save me, but don't let me be lost. I've had people say to me, you're being foolish to say that. <laughs> then you don't want to go to heaven as much as I want to go to heaven, and I sure don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to just go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven to go to heaven. He's got a plan and a purpose. I want to be a part of that for eternity. But whatever he's got to do to get me there, because of this stuff, I can't trust this stuff. This stuff wants its own thing, its own way. I need God to help me. And whatever he chooses to do, however he chooses to do it, That's okay with me. We'll go into these five different things in a later lesson in this series, this part one of this uh, series on uh, our motives from God's perspective. Uh, But I'm not going to do that now, so I'm going to move along in the lesson. Just as Paul did not brag or boast about what the Lord did through him, he, he, uh, he strongly admonished us to not do so either. A verse that I have that has come to me more times than I can tell you. First Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Now, I, I'm, I'm going to say this to you right now. Uh, you get in, we get in this verse a little bit and you're going to see that it's really, uh, it's a strong statement right here. The word received according to Thayer's means to take, to admit, to receive what is offered, to receive what is offered. 
not to go and wrest it away from somebody, not to, not to defeat somebody and take it as spoil. But someone else initiates the offer and I simply take what's being offered me. The complete word study Bible dictionary says it means the word received means to receive what is given or imparted to obtain, to partake of. So I'm reading that verse from a couple of different translations, please. The Amplified Bible says, For who separates you from the others as a faction leader? Who makes you superior and sets you apart from another, giving you the preeminence? What have you that was not given to you? If you then received it from someone... Why do you boast as if you had not received it, but had gained it by your own efforts? Now you talk about saying it very plainly and clearly. In this instance, the Amplified Version does exactly that. Exactly that. What, what do you have that you got on your own? What do you, why, why do you, why do you act as so superior to everybody? Why do you think you're better than anybody? Because see, <laughs> superiority and inferiority are not two different things. It's just two different sides of the same coin. Things are up. I feel all of my weaknesses, my inferiority. Things are, excuse me, things are up. I feel superior. I got it together. I'm doing this. Things are down. I feel all of my weaknesses. All of my flaws and failures. When I'm up, I take the credit because it's up. When it's down, I take the blame and I need to do something to get me back up again. And Paul said, you didn't do any of that. God did all this. Why are you acting like you did it? What is it you have that wasn't given to you? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't attain to it. God gave the opportunity, gave the strength, gave the ability, gave the empowerment by his spirit, gave the direction. He did it. He gave it. How can you take the credit for it? Now, the Living Bible says it this way. This is a paraphrase, not a translation. What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you, if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great and as though you have accomplished something on your own. Now, friend, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Let's read the Bible in basic English version of 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who made you better than your brother? Or what have you that has not been given to you? But if it has been given to you, what cause have you for pride as if it had not been given to you? That's a good question, isn't it? This is the whole crux of this series and these different parts of the series on motive. Every one of these lessons is ultimately about this. Everything I have was given to me. Everything I have. Wife, children, ministry, everything. Life, health, strength, it's all from God. And if he chooses to take any part of that, he gave it, he can take it. 
my attitude toward him can't change because he gave what he what uh, he took what he gave. That's what Job said. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord knows what I need, and he knows what I don't need. And if I need it, he gives it. If I don't need it, he takes it. Why? So it will never be about me. The Good News Translation says it this way. Who made you superior to others? Didn't God give you everything you have? Well then, how can you boast as if you were not, if it, as if it were, if, as if what you have were not a gift? And then the God's Word translation says it this way. Who says that you're any better than other people? What do you have that wasn't given to you? If you were given what you have, why are you bragging as if it weren't a gift? Why are you expecting people to praise you as if it wasn't a gift? In concluding this lesson, I'd like to read to you a little bit from Barnes Notes, uh, New Testament notes on this subject. He said, and what hast thou? He said, either talent, piety, or learning. What do you have that thou didst not receive from God? By whatever means you have attained it, it has been the gift of God to you. There is nothing I can take credit for. Everything he, he deserves the praise and the thanks and the glory for. Everything. If I'm in a trial, the fact I'm making it through that trial, I can't, I, I can't take the credit for that. It's only God. If I have one moment, one minute, one hour, one day, one uh, week, one year, one month, one year, that I go without sinning, I can't take the credit for that. Flesh, sinful nature, I can't take the credit for that. It only belong to God. If any good is done through me, if anything good, right, is true is said through me, I can't take the credit for that. I tell you what, getting old, that's the plan of God. Whatever looks you had, they degrade. Whatever hair you had, they begin, it begins to turn, change colors and fall out. Yeah. Whatever strength you had, it's diminished. Whatever flexibility you had, whatever coordination you had, whatever you had. And in some situations, whatever mental acuity you had, all belongs to God. All came from him. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Barnes says concerning why dost thou glory? He said, why dost thou boast as if it were the result of your own toil, skill, and endeavor? This is not designed to discourage human exertion, but to discourage a spirit of vainglory and boasting in it. We're called to work, but we're called to let him work through us. A man who makes the most painful and faithful effort to obtain anything good will, if successful, trace his success to God. He will still feel that it is God who gave him the disposition, the time, the strength, the success. And he will be grateful that he was enabled to make the effort, not vain or proud or boastful, because he was successful. This passage states a general doctrine that the reason why one man differs from another is to be traced to God, and that this fact should repress all boasting and glorifying and produce true humility in the minds of Christians. 
One man has wealth, another is in poverty. I talk about fatalism here. God can take the rich and make them poor. He can take the poor and make them rich. But if I was born red or yellow, black or white, I didn't have anything to do with that. I can't. I can't feel superior to anybody because of the color of my skin, because of the amount of money in my bank account, because of what opportunity I had to go to school or the lack of opportunity to go to school. I can't take the credit or the blame for my circumstances. I have to give the credit and glory to God on everything, especially as a believer. So, my friend, what do we have? It gives us the right to boast. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything. In Jesus' name, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I will allow the grace of God and the Spirit of God to open our eyes, to open our mind, our hearts, our soul, our spirits, that we might receive the understanding to, from God, that we might see ourselves in his eyes, not in our own. Because when he looks at us, he sees not only what we could be, but what we've allowed him to make us to be so far, good or bad. We've either allowed him or not allowed him to get us to this point. I didn't get me to this point. I didn't get me in the Naval Academy. I didn't en enable me to graduate when I spent all my time studying the Bible and barely studied the stuff I had to study. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I can't take the credit for that. I didn't get me out of the Navy. I didn't send me to this city. I haven't saved one person in this city. I haven't trained and sent out one preacher from here myself. I haven't done any of that. Not any of it. I can't take the credit for my sons. I can't take the credit for my wife. I can't take the credit for my grandchildren. I can't take the credit for any, for my my daughters-in-law. I can't take the credit for any of that. I can't take the credit for being a district superintendent. I can't take the credit for the growth of the Maryland D.C. district. I can't take the credit for anything. I can't take the credit that I'm breathing. I can't take the credit that I'm in good health. Can't take the credit that I have strength in God. I can't take the credit. All the glory belongs to Him. Would you join me in giving Him glory for everything that's going on in your life? Like I give Him the glory for everything that has, has, is, and will go on in my life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you.